Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Here is God's word. Now, this is Paul. This is not just black ink on a white page. This is a human being's story. I bet you have a story. Let's read Paul's and then we'll get into what it means for us. For I would have you know, brothers, the I is Paul. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church and God, church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the, Lord, uh, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then... I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, he who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. Father, you are a great God who turns murderers into messengers, who turns sinners into saints, who transforms the lives of those who are running far from you in addiction and overeating and oversexing and over everything and turns them towards you and being satisfied in you, they find joy and seek to give you glory. Lord, may all of our stories be that way, that you work in our miserable life and gave us new life. In fact, it was so new we would dare say it was like being born again. Lord, may we all have that new life. Start over. And Lord, even for those here who don't believe that yet, they want to. They want to believe it could happen to them. That they could start over, that their sins could be erased. Would you reveal that to them? They want to believe that's true. And so, Father, I ask that you, in a powerful way, would help those who are still deciding or working trains or maneuvering through traffic and fighting through the rain. Lord, I pray that you would get them here safely. Lord, for those who are here, I pray that you would minister to them and that your word would powerfully go forward, transform lives. That we would leave here walking with a zeal that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. 
And may the power of the Holy Spirit rest so deeply in us. He would guide and direct our decisions and thoughts. Father, I pray against Satan. I pray against his works and his effects. I ask that you would rebuke him in Jesus' name, that you would rid of thoughts, ideas, and fiery darts that would be thrown at our minds to distract us from your purpose in this place. And I ask, oh God, that you would not delay, but you would do it now. Walk among us, oh God. May we hear the soft, sandaled feet of Jesus walking up and down these aisles, transforming hearts. Do it today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'm driving home from this conference. Uh, We went to this conference, and it was like a nine-hour conference. Have you ever been to like a nine-hour conference? Some of you think my sermons are long. This was like a nine-hour conference, right? And so, um, it it was a great conference, loved it, but it was a nine-hour conference. I can't, you know, even I, and I love those things. Even I can't take that much. And so we're driving home. And let me tell you who it is. It's Billy's brother, um, John. John is driving. I'm sitting right next to him. And my family's in the back, right? So we're driving and we're on the highway. And off to the right, we're on the, you know, the, the passing lane. Because, <laughs> because addicts just can't drive the speed limit. And um, <laughs> it's like one of the last things that gets saved, right? Like the last thing that gets saved in a person is their wallet and their, their, their foot with the pedal and gas. It's crazy. So, all right, so we're like doing like 110 and I'm looking the other way because, you know, I can't, you know, endorse that, you know. So, and so, so we're just going, right? And so we're going and we notice at the right of the road, there's a, uh, there's a woman who's, who's got car trouble. There's, you know, it's, and she's by herself. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't have a, look, a, a face that says, I know what I'm doing, right? And I was like, man, we can't just, we're Christians. We can't. And so I went to John, and, and to his credit, he was like, all right. And, you know, because we mean, it was a nine-hour conference, guys, and we still had two more hours to drive. I mean, no, we had been driving for like an hour and a half, and we still had like another hour um, to drive more. And so we see her and we start, we start pulling off. But this blockhead rushes. You know how like, you know, because we're in New York and nobody is courteous. And so um, he just rushes past us and he forces us to stay on the lane. So we, and we're at the speed we're going, we're, we've, we've way past her. And so we said, okay, you know what? Just get off at the next exit. We'll make our way around and we'll come back and we'll be a help to her. Okay. But the exit was in Yonkers. Anybody's ever been to Yonkers? It's the most godless place in the world. Like, there's no street. Like, you start on the street, it's called A Street, right? And then the next block is called B Street. And then the next block is called A Street again. And it's like, it's unbelievably, it's like, it's like Queens. It's awful. It's like, you know, it starts, right? I know I'm endearing all you Yonkers and Queens people to me. And so, yeah, and, and, and the, only, the only place that's really reasonable is Brooklyn, right? That's the only, right? Is anybody else? All right, well, so... So we're going and we're just like, we thought we would just make a right and a right and a right and we're back on the road. No, it, it wouldn't even let us. It was right, left, twisting and turning, completely lost, totally around, don't know where we are. Now, I have a GPS. Some of you have Tom, Tom. some of you have Garmin. I have Claudio. Claudio's my GPS. And so when, so when I'm lost, I'll, and I'm telling you, I'll be in like Schenectady. 
And I'll go, Claudio, I'm in Schenectady in front of the bagel shop. Oh, all you got to do. And he'll explain to me how to get home. Do you see the big, you know, he like he knows everywhere. He's like God in that sense, right? He's like, no, I'm kidding. Um, not really. Um, so, uh, but he, he really is good with like, you know, maneuvering and all that other stuff. So, so I call him up and I say, man, and we just made 50 rights, 50 lefts went down, 50. Like, we just don't know where we are. We're in Kansas. Like, this is, we ain't, we ain't in Kansas. You know, the, you know, you know, follow the yellow brick road. So um, we're totally lost. And what happens is, is as we're making a phone call, go, Claudio, help us, please. We're really lost. We don't know how to go. We're in the corner of, you know, he goes, we're lost. And he goes, calm down, calm down, calm down. He goes, where are you? And I go, where? I think we're in Yonkers. And he, well, what's, what's the corner that you're on? And you go, we're on the corner of, like, I don't know, I remember what it was, right? Like A and B, right? What was it? Tuckahoe. Is that a great name? Tuckahoe. Go ahead. I just want to say that name again. Tuckahoe. That's a great name. So, so we're on the corner of Tuckahoe and Sawmill Parkway, right? And so we get to Tuckahoe and Sawmill Parkway. We park, you know, like the light is there, right? And we're like, oh, man, we don't know where we are. We're really lost. Please help us. He goes, Tuckahoe and Sawmill. He goes, are you driving? And he describes our car. I go, man, he is God. <laughs> it's like, I go, yeah, how did you know? And he goes, beep, beep, I'm right behind you. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Beep, beep, I'm right. I'm like, whoa. So then he goes, come, come, because, you know, he loves us. And he says, come home. But I'm going, I got to get home. I got to get home. I got to get home. I'm tired. My kids are tired. It's a nine-hour conference. It just got, we got still got an hour to go. Just tell us. No, 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 come. So I do this thing. I don't know if you ever do this thing. Have you ever done this thing where you go, okay, God, if they invite us up for dinner, because we got to feed the kids. If they invite us up for dinner, then we'll stay. Right? Have you ever done that with God? Right? Like, you know, if the guy's hair, like you're on the bus and, you know, God is telling you to talk to him about Jesus and you go, okay, God, if his hair goes on fire, then I'll start talking to him to Jesus. Have you ever done that before? Right? Like, I'm that guy. Right? And so, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm like, all right. So then he invites us to eat. Right? Now, what, one of the things that I didn't tell you is that Claudio had been coming to this church for a couple of years at that point, but his wife didn't know Jesus. And every week we would preach Jesus and she, every week she would just leave and she just, just didn't want to know Jesus seemed like. And so every week, and so, but, but it was years, right? Like it wasn't like a, a month or two that your wife was coming. It's like two years. And so we get invited upstairs. And so, you know, me and his wife are not particularly close at this point. You know, I say hello and I, we're, we're, we're gracious towards each other. This is many years ago. Now we're like real close. And, um, and so we go upstairs and I'm just, I'm just going to have a meal and then I'm going to leave. And the reason I'm going to have a meal is because I'm hungry. The kids are hungry. I'm just going to eat and run. Because I'm tired. And so we eat. And God starts doing something. God starts starting a conversation. And the conversation continues to go. And by the end of that conversation, Elizabeth gives her life to Jesus. You want to know who she is? She's right there. Elizabeth, would you stand up? That's awesome. That's awesome. How did that happen? How did that happen? There was a, a lady on the road, and then there was a guy who wouldn't let us, you know, right? Because we just want to help some lady flip, fix her tire. And then we get off at the, you know, the godforsaken Yonkers on Tuckahoe, no less, and Sawmill. How does that happen? God said there was a moment. At a time. Listen to me. 
And there's nothing that's going to stop my baby from coming home to me. And if I got to interrupt your little lazy um, Heine, and because I, I know if we were driving by and the Lord would have said, Edwin, I want you to go to Elizabeth's house. She's going to receive Jesus today. I was like, not today. Make it on Wednesday or Sunday when I'm a little bit more rested up. I'd have said something like that. But God said, no, no, no. I want... And step by step by step. Unbelievable. Because when God has a timing, God reaches down and touches his soul and brings them out of the muck and the mire. And it's, listen to me, it's God's work. Elizabeth couldn't say, well, you know, it's because I was a really good person and I deserved it. Or, you know, it's because I was really, really looking for God. She was annoyed. She was like some of y'all, you know, you come in, you have this, you know, this background and like, you know, church is not like this, right? First of all, you know, you listen, you know, to these people and then you sit down and you, you know, you stand up and you sit down and you kneel and then you stand up and you sit down. And, and it's like this whole process that you've come from. And like, you know, it's cool. It's, it, you know, all of us have a tradition that we come out of and it wasn't anything that she was used to, but it's not like she was looking for God. But God was looking for her. It's amazing. Now, I know that Elizabeth is doing service here, so I know she has to run downstairs for the kids, but I just want us to praise God for her because she's not only doing service in the children's ministry, she's just in the treasurers and just, you know, praise God. It's the difference between religion and Christianity. One you got to work for, the other is a gift. Isn't it true that you treat work and gifts differently? You treat wages and gifts differently. We all do. I bet if I pass uh, uh, this microphone around to all you who have surrendered your heart to Jesus and have given your life to the Lord, you would have a story. You know, I, I don't know. I was, you know, pursuing this girl and I wanted nothing to do with God. And then... I don't know, somebody asked me and I was annoyed because they kept on asking me to come to church and then I came to church and then I just, or, or you know, I was in my office and then, you know, I don't know. It, it finally made sense to me. You, you wouldn't say you were seeking after God. You would have to admit, oh, God was seeking me. Well, we're going to, look, we're in a series called, um, uh, it's, a, it, it's a series in the book of Galatians. And in this series, it's called Rescue Me, um, uh, Breaking Free from uh, uh, Religion. Because we really believe that we don't want to, we do not want to be religious. We don't want to be caught up in our pursuit. Because what is religion? Religion is simply man pursuing God. And the whole message of the gospel is that you don't pursue God, but God has been pursuing you. Religion. Religion is man's effort to reach God. Christianity is God coming down in the form of a man to communicate to a world that he wants relationship with them. I am. Wow. So we're going to read a guy who was a murderer, who, who adhered to murderers of Christians. And this guy, who was as far from God as you can possibly imagine, in fact, he was on a road to do more of his junk. We're going to hear how God interrupted him on a road, changed his life. 
and transformed a ton of people in the process. Do you think God could do that today? Do you think God can do that with you? Believe it. Believe it. So Paul starts in verse 11. Well, he doesn't start in verse 11. He had, he had just spoken um, from verses 1 through 10. And we actually did that in the last couple of weeks so you can get those CDs. Or you can go on our website, nbtbrooklyn.org, and get like, I don't know how many, 30, like, like more sermons than you really want to hear, honestly. And, um, but they're all there. And we have a parenting series there. And we have the Jesus, right? Like the Jesus I Never Knew series there. And a bunch of others that I don't know. But, um, and, and this one. So you can get all, everything up to last week. And if you go there tomorrow, you'll be able to get this sermon. Um, for uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. For I would have you know... Stop. Look up at me. Paul is, is giving an explanation. Remember in verses um, 8 and 9, or 9 and 10, where Paul says, If another comes and preaches a different gospel than we've shared with you, he is accursed. In other words, he is hell-bound. He is, he is cursed. He's like, he's like his message. If anybody preaches, he said, he went as far as if the, an angel, just in case you didn't get it, if an angel comes up to you, he said, if the, if the, if I come up to you with a different message of the gospel than what you've heard. And what's the gospel? Anybody know? The gospel is this. is that we're lost and in our sin. And God is merciful and saves us through the cross of Jesus Christ and gives us new life. That's the gospel. That's good, man. That's good news. So, so Paul is saying, if anybody preaches anything else, if anybody tries to add Jesus plus, you know how that works in America, right? Jesus plus being honest. Jesus plus doing good works. Jesus plus 12 steps. Jesus plus being a good husband. Jesus plus, you know, reading your Bible. Jesus plus praying. All those things, very good. If, you know, go ahead and be a good husband and, and go ahead and work your steps and go ahead and, and, and pay your taxes and all that other stuff. But when you put that before, when you put that as the basis of your relationship, you've just destroyed the gospel. He says it's damnable. And then he goes and he tells him, well, this is my story. And he goes, so since you already know that, he goes, for I would have you know, like, you know, you know, FYI, for your information after what I just told you, for I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that has, that has preached, if I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Oh, this is good. In other words, that what I'm telling you is not about good human philosophy. 
It's not about ideas and thoughts that were brought up from generation to generation. And so now we have a good system to approach God. Now we can really make ourselves acceptable to God. Now we have philosophies and principles and eightfold paths and five pillars and seven and you know seven uh, 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 deadly you know sins to avoid. And we got all this stuff. He goes, no, 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 that stuff was given by man. He says, no, 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 there's the gospel that was given by God, and it's all God's work. But w w wait, I do something. To yes, yes, you run far from God, and you run hard from God, and you run away from God. No, but I'm a good person. Really? I mean, honestly, do you really think that? Like, I know that's like a plague in America that we think that we're good people, but honestly, yeah. Like, you, everything you do has a pure motive to it, right? You never lied before. You never stole anything. You never took anything that didn't belong to you. You never deceived a, a loved one. You never, hurt, you never broke anybody's heart, yeah? If I asked everybody you've ever met in your life, if you're a good person, they would all agree, yeah, that person's a good person. Really? Listen, let's get very honest. Me first, right? Me first. I'm a low-down, dirty scoundrel. Without Jesus, I, listen, without Jesus, I rob your wallet and then help you look for it. Without Jesus, okay? Just so you know, that's just me, right? Without Jesus, without Jesus, I'm trying to pick up your wife. Without Jesus, I'm a low-down, dirty scoundrel. Unless you get consumed on thinking about how much of a scoundrel I am, let me point out that you're not very different. Grace, the gift, the unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. It's not wages. It's gifts. It's not earned. It's grace. And he says, it didn't come from man. It doesn't have its root in man, in your performance, in your ability to be good for goodness sake. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Works fine. That kind of religion works fine if you're under seven and you're waiting for a fat guy to go down a chimney that you don't have to bring you gifts you don't want. That's fine. But if you are pursuing a relationship with God Almighty, you got to accept He's the one who does the work. You're the one who receives the gift. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but rece I received it through a revelation, a revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, this was given by Jesus. This is God's word. Let me tell you how God gives you. Now, today we can have, let me tell you what we call it. We call it illumination. You know what illumination is? It's when you're reading God's word. I don't know, has this ever happened to you? You're reading God's word, and then you're reading, and it's just something clicks. And you're like, oh, I never saw that before. Like, you read it a hundred times, but now it's like, oh, it comes alive. It happens to me all the time. When you start reading the Bible, it happens. I know it happens to you all the time. As you're reading the Bible, and the first time you read the Bible, it's like, okay, this makes absolutely no sense. And then you start reading it over and over, and it's like, oh. It's, this, this is starting to make sense. I get I'm getting it now. I'm getting it. Well, that's illumination. That's not like new information that God has given you to be able to share with the world. That's, that's what's already there. 
And when people say that they have new revelation and it contradicts God's word and it can't be supported by God's word or it has to be supported by a text that you rip out of God's word without, you know, looking at what it really means and just kind of make it mean what you want it to mean. Well, you can make anything do that. But so Paul says, this is, this is from God. This is God's word. This is God's word. Verse 13. For you have heard my former life in Judaism. I love this. Watch this. If Paul was around, this is the part where Paul comes into the meeting and says, you know, um, hi, my name is Paul. I was a Judaizer. And it's like, and it's like oh, hi, Paul. Right? And he just starts sharing his, his story. He start, starts telling his story. What happened to him. How he was affected. And here's what he says. Some of you guys, you guys have heard this. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. You heard when I was a legalizer. You heard when I was stuck in religion and didn't have relationship with God. You heard when I was stuck, caught up in my own effort to pursue God. You, you heard about that. Then he starts to tell his story. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. You think your story's bad? This guy was working in direct contradiction against God. Like, you know, right? Like, isn't it true that all of us have, like, things in the closet that you just swear you're going to go to the grave with, right? Right? I mean, they're like this one or two things that are just so full of shame, right? And it's usually a sexual deal, right? Your uncle touched you. Maybe you did some stuff with your cousin when you were young or maybe something, you know, like everybody has like secrets, right? And so we all think, man, we're really far from God. God could never love us if, you know, if, you know, if I let this out, others won't love me and therefore God can't love me. Paul goes, listen, I was pursuing the people of God for the purpose of destroying them. I was working purposefully against God's people. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism and how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Look up at me. Paul is saying, I was getting what I wanted. I wonder if you can identify. I was pursuing what I wanted and I was getting what I wanted. Not that it wasn't working out for me. I was getting, I was pursuing the girl and I was getting the girl. I was pursuing the drug and I was getting the high. I was pursuing the lifestyle and I was getting the lifestyle. I was running as far and as fast away from God. And some of you, that's your story, right? Like you, could, you would consider yourself, man, that was, I was just a good person and things are going pretty well. And just, you know, it, it's all right by me. I, I mean, I was getting what I wanted. Verse 15. And I love this. But. Just look up at me. That's too much. I can't even take that word. It's too much. However. Contrast. There's a, I, I, was, I was very zealous. Right? So if, he's, if Paul was the drug dealer, he'd be the guy with like four or five spots. And he would, you know, he'd be making money, right? If Paul was the womanizer, he'd be the guy with like three different girls and 
three different boroughs, right? If Paul was the if Paul was the financial guy, he'd be the guy who was you know still making real estate, really smart real estate decisions, and re, you know doing well in the stock market. If Paul was the religious guy, he, he would say, "I'm still going to church, and I still give my tithe, and I'm still a pretty good person, right? Everything's going fine. I'm doing what I want to do." But something happened. But when he this is the gospel. I'm wondering if you're going to be able to hear me. So I'm going to I'm going to come back to this. We're going to we're going to sing. But when he we're going to ask the singers to come up. I want them to uh, sing, um, shout to the Lord. And we're going to all stand up and sing with them together. And then I'm going to come back and we'll continue this talk. Um, so I want you all to stand up. And here's what I want you to think about. Listen. But when he... It's okay. But when he... Listen to me. Look at me. But when... Not but when I, not but when we, but when he. There was a work that he did. There was an effort that he made. There was a saving, a cleansing that comes not from me, but from him. But when he. We're going to sing this song. It's called Shout to the Lord. And here's what it says. Shout to the Lord, all the earth. Let us sing. Power and majesty. Praise to the King. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. We have an awesome God. And when we were running as far as we could from Him, God puts these three words in place. changes everything. Let's sing together. To the promise that we have in Him. Please, be seated. Listen, guys. But when here, you know why nothing can compare to the promise that we have in Him? Because He did it. But when He it's the difference between religion and Christianity. It's the difference between wages and gifts. Okay, I just got to make this to you. So here's what Paul says. He says this. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born. Let me ask you something. How many decisions have you ever made? How many good decisions have you made before you were born? Anybody? Raise your hand. No? Okay, so before you were born, before you ever made a decision, God knew what kind of mess you were going to make of your life. God knew what kind of decisions you were going to make. And he said, I don't care. I want her. I don't care. I want him. Like, you, you know how like sometimes we go, you know, if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't love me. God says, I know more than you know. 
I know the intentions and the desires of your heart. And I'm crazy about you. And right now, the Holy Spirit, you sense the Holy Spirit here. He's working in your heart. Let me tell you why. Because you're finally getting the gospel. It's not my effort. It's not my being good. It's not my trying. It's not my running. It's not my doing. It's the work of Jesus on my behalf. He says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. I'd like to read that again. But I'd like for all of us to read it. So on a count of three, we're going to read it like we just understood that God knew all of our junk and funk and loves us anyway and pursues us on top of that and desires us. So on a count of three, you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Because this is exciting stuff. We're going to read some powerful words. Here it goes. One, two, three. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. I just want you to repeat those verses when you go at throughout the week until they're yours. Until you go, that's me. That's not Paul talking about him. That's, I could say the same thing about me. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace, verse 16, was pleased to reveal his son to me. Listen to me. Now look at me. Was pleased to reveal his son to me. Now, listen, you're running away from me, but now I'm, gonna, I'm just going gonna to rock your world. I'm just going to transform your life. And watch what happens. In order that for the per- look at in order that for the purpose of so that why did God do it because he loved him and there was a work that he had for him there was a work that he had for him in order that I might preach him who's him anybody know Jesus, Jesus. I might preach him I might preach that I might preach him among the Gentiles in order that I might preach him. He didn't save me for no purpose. I just, I'm looking at Rob now. Rob came. I, I told you his story earlier before. He came here. He's been here for a few months. Got a, he's got a gift, right? He works with his hands and he knows how to do this construction thing. He's got a whole new ceiling up there. Why? It's just, it's a, so in order that I might use my gifts, in order that I might be a benefit to others. But listen to me. The reason that Paul could so passionately preach the gospel in front of a lot of adversity and in the face of great deals of strife and trouble. The reason he could do that because he received a gift. And when you get a gift, you just can't you just can't keep it to yourself. Isn't it true that when you get your wages from work, it's not, I mean, it's a good day, like, right, Fridays are good, right? You get your wage from work, and it's good. But it's not like, it's not like you're going, um, Oh, man, I didn't deserve this. Thank you so much. This is amazing. I owe you my life. Nobody's going like that, right? And in fact, if your boss calls you and says, sorry, we can't give you your check today, y'all are like, what? That's my money. I worked for that. You better, oh, don't play. You better give me my money. I'll give it till 5 o'clock today. Do something. Steal it from your wife. 
but get me my money. Right? Isn't that true? Right? Why? Because it's yours. You worked for it. And you can take the credit for receiving it. It's the difference between religion and Christianity. Anybody here ever got one of these? These little UPS boxes you didn't know where it came from? And you're like, oh my God, I wonder what it is. Right? Have you ever gotten these? It's like Christmas for me. When I get stuff like this, I tell people, I, when I get a box or when I get a, I ask the people in the office, I go, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. I love getting I, like, I don't even care if it's like filled with those little bubble packets and then uh, you just pop them. It's like Christmas. I love it. It's like I didn't deserve it. I wasn't expecting it. I'll use them. Thank you very much. But here's the, here's the problem. This is, why, this is why some of you are not getting emotional about the gospel because you've got your hard hat and your gloves on and you're working and you got your, you know, your gloves on and they don't fit. They're my daughters. And so, and so, right. And so you got your, and, and you're working and you're digging and you're going, God, you're going to love me. God, you're going to love. God, if I do this, will you get my boyfriend back to me? I'll just keep on working then. God, if I do this, will you fix my marriage? Okay, I'll keep on working. God, if I do this, will you just bless me, bless me, bless me with finances all over the place? I'll just keep on working. God, if I do this, will you like me? Listen, 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 listen. This looks goofy and stupid. It's the way a lot of you live your life. It's the reason, listen, it's the reason why 20 years ago you left Jesus. Because you were putting in your work and he wasn't paying you. He was saying, you were hearing him say, oh, we're not getting paid today. I work for that. You better do something. And, and I hear this all the time. And nobody ever comes to me like exactly this way. But here's how they come to me. He goes, I go, I, they stop coming to church for like two or three weeks. Right? Two or three months. Two or three years. Whatever. I see them. And I go, and I go, what happened? You were doing so well. Well, you know what? I tried that Jesus stuff, but it didn't work for me. Whatever do you mean? It didn't work for me. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, I started to tithe and I started to serve in the soup kitchen and the food pantry. And I started to watch the kids and the thing. And you know what? My landlord evicted me and my job laid me off. And, my, you know, and, and it just keeps on going on and on and on. And I go, oh, I understand. You had your hard hat on. And Jesus didn't come with the check. Gotcha. No wonder the gospel's not good news to you. Because it's your wages. You've worked for it. And some of you, right now, in that silly little illustration, you just understood the last, your whole life with God, just trying to perform, trying to do. You're all, you, let me tell you something. Here's what we're promised in the Bible. This is a guaranteed promise, that if you serve Jesus, you will suffer. <laughs> you just don't hear that on TV. <laughs> Watch this. All I need to do is point out. Any Christians here with a year more, like in Christ, go ahead and raise your hand. Any amens out of that? Yeah, man. Are you kidding? Like walking in Christ, it's total. This is a total antithesis of the world. Nobody understands that. No, 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 no. But God is supposed to make me happy. Then those are your wages. Great. Put your hat back on. God, you're supposed to make me happy. You're supposed to. You're supposed to make me joyful. You're supposed to give me plenty of money. God, you're supposed to do it. Hey, see the work I'm doing here? You're not, I need, and now I need a raise. I got a car, now I need two cars. And if you don't show up, I'm just going to stop serving. And you know what? You think I'm playing? I'm not going to church this Sunday. 
Because it's a wage for you. It's a work. It's not a, it's not a treasure. Rain happens. Slow happens. God says, God says, I never wanted you to work for it. I never wanted you to work. You couldn't earn it if you tried. And believe me, some of you tried. And it's miserable. That's why religion is miserable. And we've got to break free from it. But now what happens when you get a gift? You get a gift and it's like, oh my gosh. For me? All of that? It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's wonderful. You receive a gift. And you, what, do you, what do you want to do with the gift once you receive it? See the sweater? I got it this Wednesday. Lily gave it to me. <laughs> Lily is like a joy to me. I love my Lily. Lily, she, she likes, well, she uses me as an excuse to go shopping. She's a shopaholic, which is very funny to me. Very funny to me. I don't mind. Jay's like this too. There's a, there's a couple of, of y'all that I'm not counseling you about your shopaholism because I benefit from it so greatly. So I just, you know, oh, it's okay. It's not a real sin. You know, I'm kidding. Don't, don't, like, don't go crazy with your money. But, um, but she bought me the sweater. What do you do when someone buys you a sweater? You wear it. You use it. You use it up. You enjoy it. You let others enjoy it. Because when you're giving gifts, that's what you do. Now listen to this statement what we just talked about. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, this is uh, uh, from verse 15, but when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul is saying, I didn't immediately go, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask anybody to tell me if I'm doing the right thing. I just started to serve God. I just couldn't wait. I just started to serve Jesus. And the way he served Jesus was preaching. The way I served Jesus was preaching. Some of you, you have the gift, uh, I mean, gosh, some of you have the gift of administration. We need you. We need, we need uh, people in the office. We need, uh, we need uh, assistants. We need uh, secretary. We need, we, you know, some of you have gifts where you know how to work on the internet. We got, we got a person working on the internet. We need more. We, uh, some of you have the gift of mercy and you just want to serve people. You know, we got soup kitchens and food pantries. Some of you, you, you got gifts. And why? Why do you use it? Not because you're back. Oh, gosh. Got to get back on the... Now I'm saying, you know what? Now he saved me. So now I got to keep the saving up. Now I, now I better not blow it, right? He gave me this gift. But God is kind of like a... He gives the gift and then he takes it back. And then he gives the gift and then he takes it back. So I better put on my head again. Oh, this is such a great gift. And then there's another kind of person who says, God, I hope this is enough. I hope this is enough. Oh, God, don't take it away from me. Don't take it away. I just want to keep it. I just want to keep it. And to you, I just want to say, I just want to say it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't keep it. It's a gift. But there's something that happens inside. There's something that happens inside. You want to start putting up ceilings and feeding the poor. You want to start using your gifts. Not because you're trying to earn it from God. But because there's such a joy. And that there's such a joy. 
nor did I go up to Jerusalem. And he goes back to his old argument. This, is not, this came from God. This didn't come from man. It came from God. Verse 17, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned to Damascus. And I'm, I'm just going to finish this up. This is just, I hope you guys get this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. So three years that he's serving Jesus. Three years that he's telling others about the gospel. Three years that he's using this gift. Three years that he's so excited about what God has done in and through his life. He goes to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. That's, for those of you who don't know, that's Peter. Um, so he visits Peter. And remained with him 15 days. But I saw no other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And then he writes in verse 20. So he's saying, listen, in other words, this message is a heavenly one. It's not because I was taught. Listen, some of you grew up in... Oh, man. All right. All right. Some of you grew up in... Some of you grew up in Mormon um, uh, tradition. Some of you grew up in... This is Brooklyn, so there's a lot of Jehovah Witness stuff, right? And here's how you learned about God. You learned about God with someone sitting right next to you and saying, okay, now turn to this. And you turn to that, and they just tell you about this one verse, and then they tell you, right? And then you go, okay, now here's what I want you to believe as a direct result of what I just had you read. What I want you to believe is this. But I was talking to friends of mine, and I was, you know, and, and okay... If you grew up a Mormon, same concept. Here's, okay, turn to this. Here's what I want you to believe as a direct result of what you just read. Now, here's the deal, right? Mormons would have us believe, and I just want to be sensitive. I want to be, I want to be accurate, too. What they, what they, have, they, they esteem Jesus, but here's the problem. They believe that Jesus, in the end, is Lucifer's brother, and that they have equal power. It's sort of like yin and yang. Um, so Jesus and Lucifer have equal power and that they fight. When the, now, now watch this. You couldn't read the Bible and get that. You'd have to be taught that. You'd have to be taught that. Now watch this. You go and, 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 and you read the Bible and, they, and then the Jehovah Witness tells you, now here's what I want you to believe as a direct result of the verse that I just gave you. I want you to believe that Jesus is the archangel Michael and that he's a god but not the big god G but his little god G, right? Now watch this. You couldn't read the Bible and come up with that. You, you, you like, you, you, and I've, I've read the Bible cover to cover dozens of times. Like, this is what, you know, I, I love reading the Bible. I read it all the time. This year I've read it twice. It's like the least, this, I, I'm slacking, right? Like this year, I, I usually read it three or four times a year. Watch this. You couldn't open the Bible and say, oh, yeah, I was reading the Bible. And, yeah, Jesus is the archangel Michael. Let's bring it home. You couldn't read the Bible and come up with that God wants to give you finances and blessings and happiness, and that's God's goal. You couldn't read the Bible like that. Because think of Jesus. How did it go for him? Like, pretty painful. Think of John. Who was more in God's will than John? Jesus. All right. But other than Jesus, who was more in God's will than John? I can't think of anyone. Beheaded. Paul, the guy we're reading about. You know how his life ended? In a prison. And then he was taken outside one day and beheaded. You couldn't read the Bible and come up with some of the stuff that you get. You'd have to be taught. Paul is saying, this didn't come from teaching of other men. This didn't come from other people. This came from God. And the gift is this, grace. Gift. 
not wages. Grace, not salary. And you didn't have to work for it before. You don't have to work for it now. But let me tell you something. There's a joy that comes in you. And there's a desire. There's a transformation that takes place. Paul says, and, and we'll read it. You know, Paul says, something happens to me. By the way, if you say you love Jesus and a transformation isn't taking place in you in the inside. Like I love Etta. And I was talking to Etta not long ago. And she said, yeah, I just love, love what God is doing in my heart. She was saying, man, I love coming here. And, uh, you know, life's not perfect, but I love, I'm just getting so much out of reading the Bible and studying the Bible. It's just something to, now ask her if she loved reading the Bible and studying the Bible before. Probably not. Not many of us do, right? It's a transformation that takes place. Did she do that? No. God did it. Did I? Um, do the work like did I stop myself from no God gave me that desire God gives the grace for the desire God gives the strength to live out that desire and God gives the power to walk in that desire you see God does it this is why when we're in a room like this we can't keep this message to ourselves it's a gift you don't have to earn it he does it all inside you he starts to walk in you and it's his work in you. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit uh, Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him for 15 days, but I saw none other apostles. He's saying, this doesn't even, listen, this is not even apostles. This is from Jesus. Verse 20. In what I'm writing to you, before God, I do not lie. (laughs) In other words, Paul pauses and says, I ain't lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Right? Paul says, I'm telling the truth. Verse 21, then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. You know what he's saying? He's saying, and at this point, they didn't see my face. They couldn't tell me. Like if I walked down the street, nobody knew who I was. But watch what happened because the transformation had taken place so deeply. Listen, transformation, when you give your heart to Jesus, changes. I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus, I used to go to peep shows and all that other stuff. And I remember, I remember going to a, a, a church, and I didn't even know. I remember going to a peep show the day afterwards and not even thinking. I, th- I thought that pornography was okay because at least I'm not cheating on my wife, right? Like that was the kind of crazy mentality that I had, right? And so I went, and I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, man, this is no good. Like something. Like, I, believe me, I try to make it good. I try to go back. But at least there's something that started inside of me that said, mm, red alert, red alert. This is, not, this is not pleasing to the eye. This is not good anymore. And I kept on going back to it, but there was something that started to change inside of me. And eventually, God started to do the work to leave that sort of stuff. Verse 21, then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia. And I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea and are in... Um, of Judea that are in Christ. In other words, they didn't know my face. They couldn't find me on a map. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't pick me from a mugshot. They, uh, verse 23, they only were hearing it said. I love this part. I really love this part. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. People here. Okay. You know, there's something different about you. Why aren't you, 
why aren't, you know, you used to flip out. You used to, there's something change. Now again, you don't do this change to gain God's favor. You don't do this change. You don't do anything. God starts doing, you know, you start mouthing off at someone and then God says, that's not right. He starts doing the work inside of you. And listen to what happens to the rest of the community. I love this part. I mean, I really love this part. And they glorified God because of me. And they glorified God because of me. And my kids would glorify God because of me. And my work would... Now, they don't know you, wait, your, your job. They, they haven't given their hearts to Jesus. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they, they don't really know Jesus, but they glorify God because of the work that he's done inside of me. And they know that it didn't come from me. They know that it didn't, its origin wasn't in me. It was in Jesus. So here's the deal, because we've got to close this thing. And I can, honestly, I wish I was in China, because they let their pastor speak for like three hours. And, um, and then over here, it's only like 20 minutes, and y'all got antsy. And I've been speaking for more than 20 minutes. So here's the deal. I want this bad for you. I want this bad for you. For those of you who have never opened the gift, open the gift. It's for you. Special delivery. And receive it. I mean, receive. I mean, really receive it. Receive it till tears start flowing down your face because of the goodness of Jesus Christ who paid such a high price. Such a high price. Receive it. Here's the price Jesus paid. Jesus saw your sin and he saw your mess and he saw your muck and then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll punish. No. I'll pay the price. They did the penalty. I'll pay the price. They sinned. I'll be the Savior. And so he died on the cross for you. And Paul is saying, this is, this is a God thing. This is not a man's story. This is a God story. This is not a, something that you can invent in a philosophy. This is not five ways of becoming happy or six ways to get better. You want a better life? There's a Hare Krishna. You want to just be, you just want a better life. Just, you know, there's a Hare Krishna uh, down the block right there. They'll, I'm sure they'll give you instruction for a better life. I'm sure. If you, if you want, if you want like principles on like, you know, how to be a better person, we got mosques a couple of blocks away. I'm sure they'll help you to be a better person. I'm just sure. I'm sure they'll help you to be a better dad. I'm just, just go there. If you want this gift that you cannot earn, this gift that is greater than anything else in the world, you receive it. You receive Jesus. And then he starts doing this work and he starts poking around. He starts getting very, very nosy, Jesus does. I don't know about you, but when I let, have you ever let people into your house, especially if it's a surprise visit, right? And they call you up, oh yeah, I'm just 15 minutes away. And what do you do, right? You jump, you dump everything into one room. Have you ever done that? Am I the only one? Right, it's like, you know, my, my wife will say, oh, yeah, I'm coming home early. Early. Okay. Hey, kids, we're going to play a game. Dump everything in your room's closet. Okay? All right, let's see who's the first one. And, like, we'll dump everything. And then, you know, so, like, she's walking around. And she'll buy, like, one of the kids a shirt. And she'll want to go into the closet. I go, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Don't do that. You know, sometimes we do that with Jesus. Isn't that true? We go, Jesus, I want you to invite you in my heart. And then he starts poking around. And he says, what's in here? <laughs> Don't go in there. Don't go in there. Stay over here. Stay in the living room. Do you want more pie? Let's go to church. Let's read the Bible. 
Don't, don't touch that. Don't touch my greed. Don't touch my lust. Don't touch. And Jesus starts working it. He starts addressing it. It's amazing work. But it's his work. It's not your work. It's his work. If anybody's got a hard hat on, it's Jesus. And he's doing the work inside of you. Amazing. If you don't have that gift, go ahead and receive that gift. You can receive. Just go, Jesus, give me the gift. I want the gift. I confess my sins to you. I admit that I'm a, I'm a person who's gone far from you, that has sinned, and has run away from you. Confess it. Would you save me? Not because I'm good, not because I went to church on Sunday on a rainy day and I should get at least two, two merit points better for that, but because you're good. And I can even hide in religion from you. That's how deceitful my heart is. Run to him. Now, for those of you who know Jesus, rejoice. The pressure's off. It's his work. Now watch this. So if you're wondering, God, I just want to stop smoking cigarettes. Can you help me to stop smoking cigarettes? God will do it for you. God will do it for you. And you go, you know, I've been, I've been asking God for two months to help me to stop smoking cigarettes. Go, wait up. Can't you do this? Yeah. Then God's given you the strength to do it. If you can, if you can move your fingers to separ uh, separate your fingers, then God has helped you to stop smoking cigarettes. Because you don't have to pick it up. And you can talk to others. And we can together go through it. And God starts working in you and through you. And whether it's cigarettes or whether it's satanic worship every, and everything in between, God will do this work inside of you. It's not your work. It's his work. That's the gospel. And it's good news.
And so we're going to read from Galatians chapter 1, only without the toplessness. Um, or maybe, I don't know, we might go crazy. Uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Here is God's word. Now this is Paul. This is not just black ink on a white page. This is a human being's story. I bet you have a story. Let's read Paul's and then we'll get into what it means for us. For I would have you know, brothers, the I is Paul. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church and God, church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not immediately consult with anyone, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then, after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit Cephas and remained with him 15 days. But I saw none of the other apostles except James, the, Lord, uh, the Lord's brother. In what I'm writing to you before God, I do not lie. Then I went into the regions of Syria and Cilicia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only were hearing it said, He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they glorified God because of me. Let's pray. Father, you are a great God who turns murderers into messengers who turns sinners into saints, who transforms the lives of those who are running far from you in addiction and overeating and oversexing and over everything and turns them towards you and being satisfied in you, they find joy and seek to give you glory. Lord, may all of our stories be that way, that you work in our miserable life and gave us new life. In fact, it was so new, we would dare say it was like being born again. Lord, may we all have that new life. Start over. And Lord, even for those here who don't believe that yet, they want to. They want to believe it could happen to them, that they could start over, that their sins could be erased. Would you reveal that to them? I want to believe that's true. And so, Father, I ask that you, in a powerful way, would help those who are still deciding or working trains or maneuvering through traffic and fighting through the rain. Lord, I pray that you would get them here safely. Lord, for those who are here, I pray that you would minister to them and that your word would powerfully go forward, transform lives, 
That we would leave here walking with a zeal that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And may the power of the Holy Spirit rest so deeply in us. He would guide and direct our decisions and thoughts. Father, I pray against Satan. I pray against his works and his effects. I ask that you would rebuke him in Jesus' name, that you would rid of thoughts, ideas, and fiery darts that would be thrown at our minds to distract us from your purpose in this place. And I ask, oh God, that you would not delay, but you would do it now. Walk among us, oh God. May we hear the soft, sandaled feet of Jesus walking up and down these aisles, transforming hearts. Do it today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I'm driving home from this conference. Uh, We went to this conference, and it was like a nine-hour conference. Have you ever been to like a nine-hour conference? Some of you think my sermons are long. This was like a nine-hour conference, right? And so, um, it was a great conference. Loved it, but it was a nine-hour conference. I can't, you know, even I, and I love those things. Even I can't take that much. And so we're driving home. And let me tell you who it is. It's Billy's brother, um, John. John is driving. I'm sitting right next to him. And my family's in the back, right? So we're driving and we're on the highway. And off to the right, we're on the, you know, the, the passing lane. Because, because addicts just can't drive the speed limit. And, um, and <laughs> it's like one of the last things that gets saved, right? Like the last thing that gets saved in a person is their wallet and their, their, their foot with the pedal and gas. It's crazy. So, all right, so we're like doing like 110 and I'm looking the other way because, you know, I can't, you know, endorse that, you know. So, and so, so we're just going, right? And so we're going and we notice at the right of the road, there's a, uh, there's a woman who's, who's got car trouble. There's, you know, it's, and she's by herself. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't have a, like a, a face that says, I know what I'm doing, right? And I was like, man, we can't just, we're Christians. We can't. And so I went to John, and, and to his credit, he was like, all right. And, you know, because we were meeting, it was a nine-hour conference, guys, and we still had two more hours to drive. I mean, no, we had been driving for like an hour and a half, and we still had like another hour um, to drive more. And so we see her and we start, we start pulling off. But this blockhead rushes. You know how like, you know, because we're in New York and nobody is courteous. And so um, he just rushes past us and he forces us to stay on the lane. So we, and we're at the speed we're going, we're, we've, we've way past her. And so we said, okay, you know what? Just get off at the next exit. We'll make our way around and we'll come back and we'll be a help to her. Okay. But the exit was in Yonkers. Anybody's ever been to Yonkers? It's the most godless place in the world. Like, there's no street. Like, you start on a street, it's called A Street, right? And then the next block is called B Street. And then the next block is called A Street again. And it's like, it's unbelievably, it's like, it's like Queens. It's awful. It's like, you know, it starts, right? I know I'm endearing all you Yonkers and Queens people to me. And so, yeah, and, and, and the, only, the only place that's really reasonable is Brooklyn, right? That's the only, right? Is anybody else? All right, well, so... So we're going, and we're just like, we thought we would just make a right and a right and a right, and we're back on the road. No, it it wouldn't even let us. It was right, left, twisting and turning, completely lost, totally around, don't know where we are. Now, I have a GPS. Some of you have TomTom, some of you have Garmin. I have Claudio. Claudio's my GPS. And so so when I'm lost, 
I'll, and I'm telling you, I'll be in like Schenectady. And I'll go, Claudio, I'm in Schenectady in front of the bagel shop. Oh, all you got to do. And he'll explain to me how to get home. Do you see the big, you know, he like he knows everywhere. He's like God in that sense, right? He's like, no, I'm kidding. Um, not really. Um, so, uh, but he, he really is good with like, you know, maneuvering and all that other stuff. So, so I call him up and I say, man, and we just made 50 rights, 50 lefts went down, 50. Like, we just don't know where we are. We're in Kansas. Like, this is, we ain't, we ain't in Kansas. You know, the, you know, you know, follow the yellow brick road. So um, we're totally lost. And what happens is, is as we're making a phone call, go, Claudio, help us, please. We're really lost. We don't know how to go. We're in the corner of, you know, he goes, we're lost. And he goes, calm down, calm down, calm down. He goes, where are you? And I go, where? I think we're in Yonkers. And he, well, what's, what's the corner that you're on? And he go, we're on the corner of, like, I don't know, I remember what it was, right? Like A and B, right? What was it? Tuckahoe. Is that a great name? Tuckahoe. Go ahead. I just want to say that name again. Tuckahoe. That's a great name. So, so we're on the corner of Tuckahoe and Sawmill Parkway, right? And so we get to Tuckahoe and Sawmill Parkway. We park, you know, like the light is there, right? And we're like, oh, man, we don't know where we are. We're really lost. Please help us. He goes, Tuckahoe and Sawmill. He goes, are you driving? And he describes our car. I go, man, he is God. He's <laughs> like, I go, yeah, how did you know? And he goes, beep, beep, I'm right behind you. I'm not even kidding. I'm not even kidding. Beep, beep, I'm right. He's like, whoa. So then he goes, come, come, because, you know, he loves us. And he says, come home. But I'm going, I got to get home. I got to get home. I got to get home. I'm tired. My kids are tired. It's a nine-hour conference. It just got, we got still got an hour to go. Just tell us. No, 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 come. So I do this thing. I don't know if you ever do this thing. Have you ever done this thing where you go, okay, God, if they invite us up for dinner, because we got to feed the kids. If they invite us up for dinner, then we'll stay, right? Have you ever done that with God? Right? Like, you know, if the guy's hair, like you're on the bus and, you know, God is telling you to talk to him about Jesus and you go, okay, God, if his hair goes on fire, then I'll start talking to him to Jesus. Have you ever done that before? Right? Like, I'm that guy. Right? And so, and so I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm like, all right. So then he invites us to eat. Right? Now, one of the things that I didn't tell you is that Claudio had been coming to this church for a couple of years at that point, but his wife didn't know Jesus. And every week we would preach Jesus and every week she would just leave and she just, just didn't want to know Jesus seemed like and so every week and so but but it was years right like it wasn't like a a month or two that your wife was coming it's like two years and so we get invited upstairs and so you know me and his wife are not particularly close at this point you know I say hello and we're 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 gracious towards each other this is many years ago now we're like real close and um and so we go upstairs and I'm just I'm just gonna have a meal and then I'm gonna leave and the reason I'm going to have a meal is because I'm hungry. The kids are hungry. I'm just going to eat and run. Because I'm tired. And so we eat. And God starts doing something. God starts starting a conversation. And the conversation continues to go. And by the end of that conversation, Elizabeth gives her life to Jesus. You want to know who she is? She's right there. Elizabeth, would you stand up? That's awesome. That's awesome. How did that happen? How did that happen? There was a, a lady on the road, and then there was a guy who wouldn't let us, you know, right? Because we just want to help some lady flip, fix her tire. And then we get off at the, you know, the godforsaken Yonkers on Tuckahoe, no less, and Sawmill. How does that happen? 
God said there was a moment and a time. Listen to me. And there's nothing that's going to stop my baby from coming home to me. And if I got to interrupt your little lazy um, Heine, and because I, I know if we were driving by and the Lord would have said, Edwin, I want you to go to Elizabeth's house. She's going to receive Jesus today. I was like, not today. Make it on Wednesday or Sunday when I'm a little bit more rested up. I'd have said something like that. But God said, no, no, no. I want... And step by step by step. Unbelievable. Because when God has a timing, God reaches down and touches his soul and brings them out of the muck and the mire. And it's, listen to me, it's God's work. Elizabeth couldn't say, well, you know, it's because I was a really good person and I deserved it. Or, you know, it's because I was really, really looking for God. She was annoyed. She was like some of y'all, you know, you come in, you have this, you know, this background and like, you know, church is not like this, right? First of all, you know, you listen, you know, to these people and then you sit down and you, you know, you stand up and you sit down and you kneel and then you stand up and you sit down. And, and it's like this whole process that you've come from. And like, you know, it's cool. It's, you know, all of us have a tradition that we come out of and it wasn't anything that she was used to, but it's not like she was looking for God. But God was looking for her. It's amazing. Now, I know that Elizabeth is doing service here, so I know she has to run downstairs for the kids, but I just want us to praise God for her because she's not only doing service in the children's ministry, she's doing the treasurers and just, you know, <laughs> praise God. It's the difference between religion and Christianity. One you got to work for, the other is a gift. Isn't it true that you treat work and gifts differently? You treat wages and gifts differently. We all do. I bet if I pass uh, uh, this microphone around to all you who have surrendered your heart to Jesus and have given your life to the Lord, you would have a story. You know, I, I don't know. I was, you know, pursuing this girl and I wanted nothing to do with God. And then... I don't know, somebody asked me and I was annoyed because they kept on asking me to come to church and then I came to church and then I just, or, or you know, I was in my office and then, you know, I don't know. It, it finally made sense to me. You, you wouldn't say you were seeking after God. You would have to admit, oh, God was seeking me. Well, we're going to, look, we're in a, a series called, um, uh, it's, a, it, it's a series in the book of Galatians. And in this series, it's called Rescue Me, um, uh, Breaking Free from uh, uh, Religion. Because we really believe that we don't want to, we do not want to be religious. We don't want to be caught up in our pursuit. Because what is religion? Religion is simply man pursuing God. And the whole message of the gospel is that you don't pursue God, but God has been pursuing you. Religion. Religion is man's effort to reach God. Christianity is God coming down in the form of a man to communicate to a world that he wants relationship with them. I am. Wow. So we're going to read a guy who was a murderer, who, who adhered to murderers of Christians. And this guy, who was as far from God as you can possibly imagine, in fact, he was on a road to do more of his junk. We're going to hear how God interrupted him on a road 
changed his life and transformed a ton of people in the process. Do you think God could do that today? Do you think God can do that with you? Believe it. Believe it. So Paul starts in verse 11. Well, he doesn't start in verse 11. He had, he had just spoken um, from verses 1 through 10. And we actually did that in the last couple of weeks, so you can get those CDs. Or you can go on our website, nvcbrooklyn.org, and get, like, I don't know how many, 30, ser- like, like, more sermons than you really want to hear, honestly. And, um, but they're all there, and we have a parenting series there, and we have the Jesus, right, like the Jesus I Never Knew series there, and a bunch of others that I don't know. But, um, and, and this one, so you can get all, everything up to last week, and if you go there tomorrow, you'll be able to get this sermon. Um, for uh, Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. For I would have you know... Stop. Look up at me. Paul is, is giving an explanation. Remember in verses um, 8 and 9, or 9 and 10, where Paul says, If another comes and preaches a different gospel than we've shared with you, he is accursed. In other words, he is hellbound. He is he is cursed. He's like he's like his message. If anybody preaches, he said he went as far as if the an angel. Just in case you didn't get it, if an angel comes up to you, he said if the if the if I come up to you with a different message of the gospel than what you've heard. And what's the gospel? Anybody know? The gospel is this. is that we're lost and in our sin. And God is merciful and saves us through the cross of Jesus Christ and gives us new life. That's the gospel. That's good, man. That's good news. So, so Paul is saying, if anybody preaches anything else, if anybody tries to add Jesus plus, you know how that works in America, right? Jesus plus being honest. Jesus plus doing good works. Jesus plus 12 steps. Jesus plus being a good husband. Jesus plus, you know, reading your Bible. Jesus plus praying. All those things, very good. If, you know, go ahead and be a good husband and, and go ahead and work your steps and go ahead and, and, and pay your taxes and all that other stuff. But when you put that before, when you put that as the basis of your relationship, you've just destroyed the gospel. He says it's damnable. And then he goes and he tells him, well, this is my story. And he goes, so since you already know that, he goes, for I would have you know, like, you know, you know, FYI, for your information after what I just told you, for I would have you know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that has, that has preached, for I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. Oh, this is good. In other words, that what I'm telling you is not about good human philosophy. 
It's not about ideas and thoughts that were brought up from generation to generation. And so now we have a good system to approach God. Now we can really make ourselves acceptable to God. Now we have philosophies and principles and eightfold paths and five pillars and seven and you know seven uh, 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 deadly you know sins to avoid. And we got all this stuff. He goes, no, 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 that stuff was given by man. He says, no, 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 there's the gospel that was given by God, and it's all God's work. But w w wait, I do something, don't yes, yes, you run far from God, and you run hard from God, and you run away from God. No, but I'm a good person. Really? I mean, honestly, do you really think that? Like, I know that's like a plague in America that we think that we're good people, but honestly, yeah, like... You, everything you do has a pure motive to it, right? You never lied before. You never stole anything. You never took anything that didn't belong to you. You never deceived a, a loved one. You never, hurt, you never broke anybody's heart, yeah? If I asked everybody you've ever met in your life, if you're a good person, they would all agree, yeah, that person's a good person. Really? Listen, let's get very honest. Me first, right? Me first. I'm a low-down, dirty scoundrel. Without Jesus, I, listen, without Jesus, I rob your wallet and then help you look for it. Without Jesus. Okay? Just so you know. That's just me. Right? Without Jesus, without Jesus, I'm trying to pick up your wife. Without Jesus, I'm a low-down, dirty scoundrel. Unless you get consumed on thinking about how much of a scoundrel I am, let me point out that you're not very different. Grace, the gift, the unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. It's not wages. It's gifts. It's not earned. It's grace. And he says, it didn't come from man. It doesn't have its root in man, in your performance, in your ability to be good for goodness sake. It doesn't have anything to do with that. Works fine. That kind of religion works fine if you're under seven and you're waiting for a fat guy to go down a chimney that you don't have to bring you gifts you don't want. That's fine. But if you are pursuing a relationship with God Almighty, you got to accept He's the one who does the work. You're the one who receives the gift. For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, for I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but rece I received it through a revelation, a revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, this came from Jesus. Now, there are some kooky, kooky, kooky people who you see, and I'm, I'm telling you, just so much bad. Like, just don't watch Christianity on TV. It's a goof. It's what they use to make fun of us. It's just silly, and it's just awful. And I, I mean, it's not like 100%. Like, you know, there's still people like Charles Stanley, and there's still people like David Jeremiah, really cool people like that. But for the most part, it's just awful, Ed Young, people like that. Now, watch this. You'll hear people go, I've got fresh revelation. I've got fresh revelation. And what they mean to say is that what they're about to say they can't find in the Bible. They're inventing it in their head. And, so, and they want to share it with you. That's what... Listen, listen. Just, just for a group, every now and again, if you want to laugh really, really hard, just turn them on. And just go, I got fresh revelation. 
do you? And this is, this is the revelation. You know, they always have like a, some sort of an accent, right? None of them come from Brooklyn. Because they, that stuff wouldn't fly in Brooklyn. You got to go down south for somebody to buy that kind of nonsense, right? This is going on the internet, so maybe I shouldn't have said that. We love the south. Sorry. Back to the text. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation. A revelation. I keep on messing that word up. Revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, in other words, this was given by Jesus. This is God's word. Let me tell you how God gives you. Now, today we can have, let me tell you what we call it. We call it illumination. You know what illumination is? It's when you're reading God's word. I don't know, has this ever happened to you? You're reading God's word, and then you're reading, and it's just something clicks. And you're like, oh, I never saw that before. Like, you read it a hundred times, but now it's like, oh, it comes alive. Happens to me all the time. When you start reading the Bible, it happens. I know it happens to you all the time. As you're reading the Bible, and the first time you read the Bible, it's like, okay, this makes absolutely no sense. And then you start reading it over and over again. It's like, oh, it's, this, this is starting to make sense. I get I'm getting it now. I'm getting it. Well, that's illumination. That's not like new information that God has given you to be able to share with the world. That's, that's what's already there. And when people say that they have new revelation, and it contradicts God's word, and it can't be supported by God's word, or it has to be supported by a text that you rip out of God's word without, you know, looking at what it really means and just kind of make it mean what you want it to mean. Well, you can make anything do that. But, so Paul says, this is, this is from God. This is God's word. This is God's word. Verse 13. For you have heard... My former life in Judaism. I love this. Watch this. If Paul was around, this is the part where Paul comes into the meeting and says, you know, um, hi, my name is Paul. I was a Judaizer. And it's like, like, oh, hi, Paul. Right? And he just starts sharing his his story. He starts telling his story. What happened to him. How he was affected. And here's what he says. Some of you guys, you guys have heard this. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism. You heard when I was a legalizer. You heard when I was stuck in religion and didn't have relationship with God. You heard when I was stuck, caught up in my own effort to pursue God. You you heard about that. And then he starts to tell his story. How I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. You think your story's bad? This guy was working in direct contradiction against God. Like, you know, right? Like, isn't it true that all of us have, like, things in the closet that you just swear you're going to go to the grave with, right? Right? I mean, they're like this one or two things that are just so full of shame, right? And it's usually a sexual deal, right? Your uncle touched you. Maybe you did some stuff with your cousin when you were young, or maybe some, you know, like, everybody has, like, secrets, right? And so we all think, man, we're really far from God. God could never love us if, you know, if, you know, if I let this out, others won't love me, and therefore God can't love me. Paul goes, listen, I was pursuing the people of God for the purpose of destroying them. I was working purposefully against God's people. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism and how I persecuted the church 
of God violently and try to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. Look up at me. Paul is saying I was getting what I wanted. I wonder if you can identify. I was pursuing what I wanted and I was getting what I wanted. Not that it wasn't working out for me. I was getting. I was pursuing the girl and I was getting the girl. I was pursuing the drug and I was getting the high. I was pursuing the lifestyle and I was getting the lifestyle. I was running as far and as fast away from God. And some of you, that's your story, right? Like you, could, you would consider yourself, man, that was, I was just a good person and things are going pretty well. And just, you know, it, it's all right by me. I, I mean, I was getting what I wanted. Verse 15. And I love this. But, just look up at me. That's too much. I can't even take that word. It's too much. However, contrast. There's a, I, I, was, I was very zealous, right? So if, he's, if Paul was the drug dealer, he'd be the guy with like four or five spots. And he would, you know, he'd be making money, right? If Paul was the womanizer, he'd be the guy with like three different girls and three different boroughs, right? If Paul was the, if Paul was the financial guy, he'd be the guy who was, you know, still making real estate, really smart real estate decisions and, you know, doing well in the stock market. If Paul was the religious guy, he, he would say, I'm still going to church and I still give my tithe and I'm still a pretty good person, right? Everything's going fine. I'm doing what I want to do. But something happened. But when he, this is the gospel. I'm wondering if you're going to be able to hear me. So I'm going to, I'm going to come back to this. We're going to, we're going to sing. But. When he, we're going to ask the singers to come up. I want them to uh, sing, um, shout to the Lord. And we're going to all stand up and sing with them together. And then I'm going to come back and we'll continue this talk. Um, So I want you all to stand up. And here's what I want you to think about. Listen. But when he, it's okay. But. Listen to me. Look at me. But when he, not but when I, not but when we, but when he. There was a work that he did. There was an effort that he made. There was a saving, a cleansing that comes not from me. But when he, we're going to sing this song, it's called Shout to the Lord. And here's what it says, shout to the Lord, all the earth, let us sing. Power and majesty, praise to the king. Mountains bow down and the seas will roar at the sound of your name. We have an awesome God. And when we were running as far as we could from him, God puts these three words in place. changes everything.
Let's sing together. To the promise that we have in him. Please be seated. Listen, guys. But when here. You know why nothing can compare to the promise that we have in him? Because he did it. But when he. It's the difference between religion and Christianity. It's the difference between wages and gifts. Okay. I just got to make this to you. So here's what Paul says. He says this. He says, but when he who had set me apart before I was born. Let me ask you something. How many decisions have you ever made? How many good decisions have you made before you were born? Anybody? Raise your hand. No? No? Okay. So before you were born, before you ever made a decision, God knew what kind of mess you were going to make in your life. God knew what kind of decisions you were going to make. And he said, I don't care. I want her. I don't care. I want him. Like, you, you know how like sometimes we go, you know, if you knew everything about me, you wouldn't love me. God says, I know more than you know. I know the intentions and the desires of your heart. And I'm crazy about you. And right now, the Holy Spirit, you sense the Holy Spirit here. He's working in your heart. Let me tell you why. Because you're finally getting the gospel. It's not my effort. It's not my being good. It's not my trying. It's not my running. It's not my doing. It's the work of Jesus on my behalf. He says this, But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. I'd like to read that again. But I'd like for all of us to read it. So on a count of three, we're going to read it like we just understood that God knew all of our junk and funk and loves us anyway and pursues us on top of that and desires us. So on a count of three, you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Because this is exciting stuff. We're going to read some powerful words. Here it goes. One, two, three. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace. I just want you to repeat those verses when you go at, throughout the week until they're yours. Until you go, that's me. That's not Paul talking about him. That's, I could say the same thing about me. But... When he who had set me apart before I was born and who had called me by his grace, verse 16, was pleased to reveal his son to me. Listen to me. Now look at me. Was pleased to reveal his son to me. Now, listen, you're running away from me, but now I'm going to, I'm just going to, it's going to rock your world. I'm just going to transform your life. And watch what happens. In order that for the per look at in order that for the purpose of so that why did God do it cuz he loved him and there was a work that he had for him there was a work that he had for him in order that i might preach him who's him anybody know jesus, jesus. i might preach him i might preach that i might preach him 
among the Gentiles. In order that I might preach him. He didn't save me for no purpose. I just, I'm looking at Rob now. Rob came. I, I told you his story earlier before. He came here. He's been here for a few months. Got a, he's got a gift, right? He works with his hands and he knows how to do this construction thing. He's got a whole new ceiling out there. Why? So in order that I might use my gifts, in order that I might be a benefit to others. But listen to me. The reason that Paul could so passionately preach the gospel in front of a lot of adversity and in the face of great deals of strife and trouble, the reason he could do that, because he received a gift. And when you get a gift, you just can't, you just can't keep it to yourself. Isn't it true that when you get your wages from work, it's not, I mean, it's a good day, like, right, Fridays are good, right, you get your wage from work, and it's good, but it's not like, it's not like you're going, um, oh man, I didn't deserve this, thank you so much, this is amazing, I owe you my life, nobody's going like that, right, and in fact, if your boss calls you and says, sorry, we can't give you your check today, y'all are like, what, that's my money, I work for that, you better, oh, don't play, you better give me my money. I'll give it till 5 o'clock today. Do something. Steal it from your wife. But get me my money. Right? Isn't that true? Right? Why? Because it's yours. You worked for it. And you can take the credit for receiving it. It's the difference between religion and Christianity. Anybody here ever got one of these? These little UPS boxes? You didn't know where it came from? And you're like, oh my God, I wonder what it is. Right? Have you ever gotten these? It's like Christmas for me. When I get stuff like this, I tell people, I, when I get a box and when I get it, I ask the people in the office, I go, it's Christmas. It's Christmas. I love getting, I, like, I don't even care if it's like filled with those little bubble packets and uh, you just pop them. It's like Christmas. I love it. It's like, I didn't deserve it. I wasn't expecting it. I'll use them. Thank you very much. But here's the, here's the problem. This is why, this is why some of you are not getting emotional about the gospel because you've got your hard hat and your gloves on. And you're working, and you got your, you know, your gloves on, and they don't fit, they're my daughters. And so, and so, right, and so you got your, and, and you're working, and you're digging, and you're going, God, you're going to love me. God, you're going to love, God, if I do this, will you get my boyfriend back to me? I'll just keep on working then. God, if I do this, will you fix my marriage? Okay, I'll keep on working. God, if I do this, will you just bless me, bless me, bless me with finances? All over the place. I'll just keep on working. God, if I do this, will you like me? Listen, 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 listen. This looks goofy and stupid. It's the way a lot of you live your life. It's the reason, listen, it's the reason why 20 years ago you left Jesus. Because you were putting in your work and he wasn't paying your way. He was a, you were hearing him say, oh, we're not getting paid today. I work for that. You better do something. And, and I hear this all the time, and nobody ever comes to me like exactly this way, but here's how they come to me. He goes, I go, I, they stop coming to church for like two or three weeks, right? Two or three months, two or three years, whatever. I see them. And I go, and I go, what happened? You were doing so well. Well, you know what? I tried that Jesus stuff, but it didn't work for me. Whatever do you mean? It didn't work for me. Well, what do you mean? Well, you know, I started to tithe and I started to serve in the soup kitchen in the food pantry and I started to watch the kids and the thing. And you know what? My landlord evicted me and my job laid me off and, my, you know, and, and it just keeps on going on and on and on. And go, oh, I understand. You had your hard hat on and Jesus didn't come with a check. 
gotcha. No wonder the gospel's not good news to you. Because it's your wages. You've worked for it. And some of you, right now, in that silly little illustration, you just understood the last, your whole life with God, just trying to perform, trying to do. You're all, you, let me tell you something. Here's what we're promised in the Bible. This is a guaranteed promise. That if you serve Jesus, you will suffer. <laughs> you just don't hear that on TV. <laughs> Watch this. All I need to do is point out. Any Christians here with a year more, like in Christ, go ahead and raise your hand. Any amens out of that? Yeah, man. Are you kidding? Like walking in Christ? It's total. This is a total antithesis of the world. Nobody understands that. No, 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 no. But God is supposed to make me happy. Then those are your wages. Great. Put your hat back on. God, you're supposed to make me happy. You're supposed to, you're supposed to make me joyful. You're supposed to give me plenty of money. God, you're supposed to do it. Hey, God. see the work I'm doing here? You're not, I need, and now I need a raise. I got a car. Now I need two cars. And if you don't show up, I'm just going to stop serving. And you know what? You think I'm playing? I'm not going to church this Sunday. Because it's a wage for you. It's a work. It's not a, it's not a treasure. Rain happens. Slow happens. God says, God says, I never wanted you to work for it. I never wanted you to work. You couldn't earn it if you tried. And believe me, some of you tried. And it's miserable. That's why religion is miserable. And we got to break free from it. But now what happens when you get a gift? You get a gift and it's like, oh my gosh. For me? All of that? It's exciting. It's exciting. It's exciting. It's wonderful. You receive a gift. And you, what, do you, what do you want to do with the gift once you receive it? Right? You see the sweater? I got it this Wednesday. Lily gave it to me. <laughs> Lily is like a joy to me. I love my Lily. Lily, she, she likes, well, she uses me as an excuse to go shopping. She's a shopaholic, which is very funny to me. Very funny to me. I don't mind. Jay's like this too. There's a, there's a couple of y'all that I'm not counseling you about your shopaholism because I benefit from it so greatly. So I just, you know, oh, it's okay. It's not a real sin. You know, I'm kidding. Don't, don't like, don't go crazy with your money. But, um, but she bought me this sweater. What do you do when someone buys you a sweater? You wear it. You use it. You use it up. You enjoy it. You let others enjoy it. Because when you're giving gifts, that's what you do. Now listen to this statement what we just talked about. But when he who had set me apart before I was born, this is uh, uh, from verse 15. But when he who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately consult with anyone. Paul is saying, I didn't immediately go, I, I, didn't, I didn't ask anybody to tell me if I'm doing the right thing. I just started to serve God. I just couldn't wait. I just started to serve Jesus. And the way he served Jesus was preaching. The way I served Jesus was preaching. Some of you, you have the gift, of, I mean, gosh, some of you have the gift of administration. We need you. We need, we need uh, people in the office. We need uh, we need uh, assistants. We need uh, secretary. We need, we need. Some of you have gifts where you know how to work on the internet. We got, we got a person working on the internet. We need more. 
Some of you have the gift of mercy and you just want to serve people. You know, we got soup kitchens and food pantries. Some of you, you got gifts. And why? Why do you use it? Not because you're back. Oh, gosh. Got to get back on the. Now I'm saying, you know what? Now he saved me. So now I got to keep the saving up. Now I, now I better not blow it, right? He gave me this gift, but God is kind of like a, he gives the gift and then he takes it back and then he gives the gift and then he takes it back. So I better put on my hat again. Oh, this is such a great gift. And then there's another kind of person who says, God, I hope this is enough. I hope this is enough. Oh God, don't take it away from me. Don't take it away. I just want to keep it. I just want to keep it. And to you, I just want to say, I just want to say it's a gift. It's a gift. It's a gift. You can't earn it. You can't keep it. It's a gift. But there's something that happens inside. There's something that happens inside. You want to start putting up ceilings and feeding the poor. You want to start using your gifts. Not because you're trying to earn it from God, but because there's such a joy. And there's such a joy. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem. And he goes back to his old argument. This, is not, this came from God. This didn't come from man. It came from God. Verse 17. Nor did I go up to Jerusalem to those who were apostles before me. But I went away to Arabia and returned to Damascus. And I'm, I'm just going to finish this up. This is just, I hope you guys get this. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. So three years that he's serving Jesus. Three years that he's telling others about the gospel. Three years that he's using this gift. Three years that he's so excited about what God has done in and through his life. He goes to Jerusalem to visit Cephas. That's, for those of you who don't know, that's Peter. Um, so he visits Peter. And remained with him 15 days. But I saw no other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And then he writes in verse 20. So he's saying, listen, in other words, this message is a heavenly one. It's not because I was, to- listen, some of you grew up in, oh man, all right, all right. Some of you grew up in, some of you grew up in Mormon um, uh, tradition. Some of you grew up in, this is Brooklyn, so there's a lot of Jehovah Witness stuff, right? And here's how you learned about God. You learned about God with someone sitting right next to you and saying, okay, now turn to this. And you turn to that, and they just tell you about this one verse, and then they tell you, right? And then you go, okay, now here's what I want you to believe as a direct result of what I just had you read. What I want you to believe is this. But I was talking to friends of mine, and I was, you know, and, and okay, if you grew up a Mormon, same concept. Here's, okay, turn to this. Here's what I want you to believe as a direct result of what you just read. Now, here's the deal, right? Mormons would have us believe, and I just want to be sensitive. I want to be, I want to be accurate, too. What they, what they, have, they, they esteem Jesus, but here's the problem. They believe that Jesus, in the end, is Lucifer's brother, and that they have equal power. It's sort of like yin and yang. Um, so Jesus and Lucifer have equal power and that they fight one another. Now watch this. You couldn't read the Bible and get that. You'd have to be taught that. You'd have to be taught that. Now watch this. You go and, 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 and you read the Bible and, they, and then the Jehovah Witness tells you, now here's what I want you to believe as a direct result of the verse that I just gave you. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Archangel Michael and that he's a God, but not the big God G, but is a little God G. Right? Now watch this. You couldn't read the Bible and come up with that. You, you, like, you, you, and I've, I've read the Bible cover to cover dozens of times. 
Like this is what, you know, I, I love reading the Bible. I read it all the time. This year I've read it twice. It's like the least, this, I, I'm slacking, right? Like this year, I, I usually read it three or four times a year. Watch this. You couldn't open the Bible and say, oh yeah, I was reading the Bible. And yeah, Jesus is the Archangel Michael. Bring it home. You couldn't read the Bible and come up with that God wants to give you finances and blessings and happiness and that's God's goal. You couldn't read the Bible like that. Because think of Jesus. How did it go for him? Like pretty painful. Think of John. Who was more in God's will than John? Jesus. All right. But other than Jesus, who was more in God's will than John? I can't think of anyone. Beheaded. Paul, the guy we're reading about. You know how his life ended? In a prison. And then he was taken outside one day and beheaded. You couldn't read the Bible and come up with some of the stuff that you get. You'd have to be taught. Paul is saying, this didn't come from teaching of other men. This didn't come from other people. This came from God. And the gift is this. Grace. Gift, not wages. Grace, not salary. And you didn't have to work for it before. You don't have to work for it now. But let me tell you something. There's a joy that comes in you. And there's a desire there's a transformation that takes place. Paul says, and, and we'll read it, you know, Paul says something happens to me. By the way, if you say you love Jesus and a transformation isn't taking place in you in the inside, like I love Etta, and I was talking to Etta not long ago, and she said, yeah, I just love, love what God is doing in my heart. She was saying, man, I love coming here. And, you know, life's not perfect, but I love, I'm just getting so much out of reading the Bible and studying the Bible. It's just something changed. Now, ask her if she loved reading the Bible and studying the Bible before. Probably not. Not many of us do, right? It's a transformation that takes place. Did she do that? No. God did it. Did I um, do the work? Like, did I stop myself from... No. God gave me that desire. God gives the grace for the desire... God gives the strength to live out that desire, and God gives the power to walk in that desire. You see, God does it. This is why when we're in a room like this, we can't keep this message to ourselves. It's a gift. You don't have to earn it. He does it all inside you. He starts to walk in you, and it's his work in you. Then... After three years, I went up to Jerusalem to visit uh, Cephas, that's Peter, and remained with him for 15 days. But I saw none other apostles. He's saying, this doesn't even, listen, this is not even apostle stuff. This is from Jesus. Verse 20. In what I'm writing to you, before God, I do not lie. As, <laughs> in other words, Paul pauses and says, I ain't lying. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Right? Paul says, I'm telling the truth. Verse 21. Then... I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. You know what he's saying? He's saying, and at this point, they didn't see my face. They couldn't tell me. Like, if I walked down the street, nobody knew who I was. But watch what happened. Because the transformation had taken place so deeply. Listen, transformation, when you give your heart to Jesus, changes. 
I remember when I gave my heart to Jesus, I used to go to peep shows and all that other stuff. And I remember, I remember going to a, a, a church, and I didn't even know. I remember going to a peep show the day afterwards and not even thinking. I, th- I thought that pornography was okay because at least I'm not cheating on my wife, right? Like that was the kind of crazy mentality that I had, right? And so I went, and I, I remember thinking to myself, oh, man, this is no good. Like so, like, I, believe me, I try to make it good, I try to go back, but at least there's something that started inside of me that said, mm, red alert, red alert, this is, not, this is not pleasing to the eye, this is not good anymore. And I kept on going back to it, but there was something that started to change inside of me, and eventually, God started to do the work to leave that sort of stuff. Verse 21, then I went to the regions of Syria and Sicilia, and I was still unknown in person to the churches of Judea and are in... Um, of Judea that are in Christ. In other words, they didn't know my face. They couldn't find me on a map. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't pick me from a mugshot. They, verse 23, they only were hearing it said. I love this part. I really love this part. He who used to persecute us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. People here. Okay. You know, there's something different about you. Why aren't you, why aren't, you know, you used to flip out. You used to, there's something change. Now again, you don't do this change to gain God's favor. You don't do this change. You don't do anything. God starts doing, you know, you start mouthing off at someone and then God says, that's not right. He starts doing the work inside of you. And listen to what happens to the rest of the community. I love this part. I mean, I really love this part. And they glorified God because of me and they glorified God because of me and my kids would glorify God because of me and my work would, now they don't know wait, your, your job they, they haven't given their hearts to Jesus oh yeah yeah, yeah. but they, they don't really know Jesus but they glorify God because of the work that he's done inside of me and they know that it didn't come from me they know that it didn't, its origin wasn't in me. It was in Jesus. Here, so here's the deal, because we've got to close this thing. And I can, honestly, I wish I was in China, because they let their pastor speak for like three hours. And, um, and then over here, it's only like 20 minutes, and y'all got uh, uh, antsy. And I've been speaking for more than 20 minutes. So here's the deal. I want this bad for you. I want this bad for you. For those of you who have never opened the gift, open the gift. It's for you. Special delivery. And receive it. I mean, receive. I mean, really receive it. Receive it till tears start flowing down your face because of the goodness of Jesus Christ who paid such a high price. Such a high price. Receive it. Here's the price Jesus paid. Jesus saw your sin and he saw your mess and he saw your muck and then he said, I know what I'll do. I'll punish no I'll pay the price they did the penalty I'll pay the price they sinned I'll be the savior and so he died on the cross for you and Paul is saying this is, this is a God thing this is not a man's story this is a God story this is not a, something that you can invent in a philosophy. This is not five ways of becoming happy or six ways to get better. You want a better life? Oh, man, there's a Hare, listen, listen, you want to just be, you just want a better life, just, you know, there's a Hare Krishna uh, down the block right there. They'll, I'm sure they'll give you instruction for a better life. I'm sure. 
if you if you want if you want like principles on like you know how to be a better person we got mosques a couple of blocks away i'm sure they'll help you to be a better person i'm just sure i'm sure they'll help you to be a better dad i'm just just go there if you want this gift that you cannot earn this gift that is greater than anything else in the world you receive it you receive jesus and then he starts doing this work and he starts poking around. He starts getting very, very nosy, Jesus does. I don't know about you, but when I've let, have you ever let people into your house, especially if it's a surprise visit, right? And they call you up, oh yeah, I'm just 15 minutes away. And what do you do, right? You jump, you dump everything into one room. Have you ever done that? Am I the only one? Right? It's like, you know, my, my wife will say, oh yeah, I'm coming home early, early. Okay. Hey kids, we're going to play a game. Dump everything in your room's closet. Okay, all right, let's see who's the first one. And like, we'll dump everything. And then, you know, so like she's walking around and she'll buy like one of the kids a shirt and she'll want to go into the closet. I go, don't go in there. Don't go in there. Don't do that. You know, sometimes we do that with Jesus. Isn't that true? We go, Jesus, I want you to invite you in my heart. And then he starts poking around. He says, what's in here? <laughs> don't go in there. Don't go in there. Stay over here. Stay in the living room. Let's, do you want more pie? Let's go to church. Let's read the Bible. Don't, don't touch that. Don't touch my greed. Don't touch my lust. Don't touch. And Jesus starts working it. He starts addressing it. It's amazing work. But it's his work. It's not your work. It's his work. If anybody's got a hard hat on, it's Jesus. And he's doing the work inside of you. Amazing. If you don't have that gift, go ahead and receive that gift. You can receive. Just go, Jesus, give me the gift. I want the gift. I confess my sins to you. I admit that I'm a, I'm a person who's gone far from you that has sinned and has run away from you. Confess it. Would you save me? Not because I'm good, not because I went to church on Sunday on a rainy day and I should get at least two, two merit points better for that, but because you're good and I can even hide in religion from you. That's how deceitful my heart is. Run to him. Now, for those of you who know Jesus, Rejoice. The pressure's off. It's his work. Now watch this. So if you're wondering, God, I just want to stop smoking cigarettes. Can you help me to stop smoking cigarettes? God will do it for you. God will do it for you. And you go, you know, I've been, I, I've been asking God for two months to help me to stop smoking cigarettes. I go, wait up. Can't you do this? Yeah. Then God's given you the strength to do it. If you, can, if you can move your fingers to separ uh, separate your fingers, then God has helped you to stop smoking cigarettes. Because you don't have to pick it up. And you can talk to others. And we can together go through it. And God starts working in you and through you. And whether it's cigarettes or whether it's satanic worship every, and everything in between, God will do this work inside of you. It's not your work. It's his work. That's the gospel. And it's good news. Singers are going to come up. If you know Jesus, rejoice. Rejoice. Now, I want you to take your yellow card out. I want you to take your yellow card out. There's a yellow card in the bulletin.